0: All right. I want to talk about a few things that caught my eye. So we're welcoming into the show, Dr. Jason Kindrichuk, who's assistant professor and Canadian research chair in emergent uh, viruses at the University of Manitoba. You've heard him on the show before. Welcome to the program. Good to have you back on.
1: Great. Thanks for having me on again.
0: Okay. Uh, can we start off with this new study first out of Harvard? This caught my attention early this morning and it seems to be breaking right now. It still has to be peer reviewed. So Uh, That means you can't you know, it's it's not 100 percent agreed upon, but it is raising eyebrows this morning. They used satellite imagery of major hospital parking lots in Wuhan, China, and noticed a dramatic spike in auto traffic last fall. And it suggests that they may have been hiding the fact that the novel coronavirus could have been present in China a lot earlier. Can you go into some detail on this? (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah so uh, you know what i I've had about as much time as I think anybody else to try and digest this um so you know there it's definitely interesting going through some of the uh, the social media threads from um you know from uh different uh, public health folks and epidemiology folks and, and people like myself um I, I think we're we're all Interested, maybe not completely surprised, but also trying not to overinterpret the results. So we, I, I think everybody, um, you know, ha- has pretty much assumed that the virus was likely uh, transmitting throughout China for an earlier period uh, period of time prior to December 31st. So you know, likely in the late fall, probably Novemberish. Um, so you know, even going back to October, uh, you know, so that would be much of a push. I guess when we start looking at things like going back to to summertime, as, as some of this is, has uh, discussed, um, you know, then you start getting into this question of, okay, well, if it had been spreading for that long of a period of time undetected, would we not have seen spread outside of China since there likely weren't travel restrictions that, that we do have at that point? Um, and, and we certainly didn't see spikes in uh, in influenza-like illness, or at least... People have not talked about spikes of influenza-like illness in, in other regions of the world prior to that, you know. So we, we know that places like you know the U.S. have taken uh, you know, some massive brunt of their cases over uh, you know, over the, the the you know this part of 2020, um, you know. It, and if we didn't see the, those spikes in kind of severe disease prior to that you know, can we actually say whether or not the virus was spreading here prior to prior to them? So ultimately, I think it's interesting. I think it will, uh, you know, we'll see how how people take it until we have any actual uh, kind of validity for, for the data on the ground. So actually, from patient samples, I think we're, we're just looking at, at changes in traffic patterns. So interesting. Yes. Does it tell us anything really new? I don't think we're quite there yet.
0: But if coronavirus was spreading earlier than we thought, could there be more herd immunity than we think there is?
1: Well, that's the tough part, right? And and that's the that's the question that I have as well. So when you look at some of the reports that have come out from from different regions across the globe that have been doing, uh, you know, serology testing in their populations, we're still seeing, you know, kind of that five to 10 percent range, uh, you know, and probably, you know, a lot closer to the five percent range. So. I guess to me, I look at the way that this virus has spread in the past few months and say, okay, well, if we're only still at only 5% community transmission uh, and, and, you know, and, and serology positives in, in the population, I would have expected a lot higher values had it been spreading for that much longer.
0: Okay. Um, Yesterday, speaking of spread, the World Health Organization basically held a a press conference, as they do, and they said, uh, from the data we have, it seems to be rare that an asymptomatic person can actually transmit onward to a secondary individual. Uh, Very rare, they say. And so now uh, people are starting to run with that and um, have reached the uh, assumption that asymptomatic people don't seem to spread the disease. How how would they know that?
1: <laughs> yeah, so th- th- this is such a great question, right? So uh, what they're, uh, you know, without seeing what, you know, what all the data is that, that they're discussing, uh, you know, I-, I think the likelihood is that they're looking at, at household contacts of so people that ultimately tested positive but, but never developed any symptoms during the course of disease. And, you know, based on, uh, on what we can kind of read into it right now without knowing the full story, um, the likelihood is that they, they're not seeing a lot of, of transmission amongst those household contacts. But I think the you know the greater issue is is trying to kind of take a step back and say, okay, well, what is asymptomatic? Uh, you know, when we look at these uh, you know these different disease cases, and, and we have to kind of you know keep reminding people that when we look at asymptomatic disease, this is somebody that basically gets infected but never develops any signs or symptoms of of illness, although they are actually infected. Um, that's different from presymptomatic transmission or a symptomatic infection where somebody is infected. the virus uh, ultimately will cause disease, but they're in that period of time prior to showing any symptoms. and that's where you know we, I've seen so much conjecture this morning saying, well, you know the, the lockdowns weren't you know weren't necessary and we can open everything back up. No we're not at that point yet. Um, pre symptomatic transmission is is still a massive concern for us, so we we can't kind of conflate asymptomatic and pre-symptomatic to mean the, the, the same thing. And I think it was kind of a, you know, there needed to be some extra clarification from WHO in, in that presser. Um, but uh, we, we are still where we need to be. There are people that are not going to show, uh, you know, early signs of illness that, that are um, everything, you know, tells us that they're able to transmit disease and they will ultimately in a day or two days or three days will suddenly show signs and clinical symptoms of disease. So those are not asymptomatic individuals, But they're pre-symptomatic and they likely are still transmitting uh, in in the population. Those are the ones we need to be worried about.
0: And I guess the worry here is people taking this information and misinterpreting it and looking at it as a pass to resume normal behavior if you're not coughing or have a fever.
1: Yeah, no, but that's 100 percent it, right? I mean, this was kind of one of my concerns about, um, you know, us starting to kind of reduce all the social distancing measures and phasing in kind of, you know, this this go back to, to normalcy. Um, was that once any information came out, uh, if it was misinterpreted at all or if the, the context was maybe not necessarily specific, um, what would happen is that, that people would run with it. Because I think there's, it's become a very politicized issue. We know that mm-hmm. uh, definitely in the U.S. we've seen that. Um, and that's the concern with this is that you could take that little kind of you know, kernel of information um and you know kind of twist it a little bit and suddenly it's it becomes so difficult to then kind of walk back and say well no this is actually what it means from an infectious disease standpoint so we're uh, unfortunately we're kind of seeing the ramifications of that this morning and i think obviously in the wake all the protests and stuff in the u.s as well um it, it's going to be kind of difficult to, to try and uh, you know and, and provide uh you know direct information on this without kind of you know, getting people kind of, you know, drawing a line in the sand and and kind of picking their their political points on this.
0: Yeah. So where do we sit now on washing and wiping down groceries? Because I am at that fatigue level right now. I still do it, but I do it, uh, you know, begrudgingly. I am not. Yeah. I'm no longer thinking of my safety. I'm just thinking this sucks.
1: I, hey, I get it. And listen, we're, you know, we're a household of two, you know, PhDs in microbiology. And, and I, we completely agree. Um, so, you know, everybody is kind of at this fatigue stage. And that's that's the issue for us is that, I, you know, realistically, I think we're still in some of the early stages of this pandemic. Um, you know, we've kind of we've seen plateauing here. We've seen in the U.S., though, obviously, in place like Florida, as they've reduced social distancing measures. Cases are spiking in um, and, and Iran. Definitely. We're seeing that uh, we're not we're not out of the woods yet. So I think for us, what we need to think about is, um, yes, we, we've been afforded a you know bit of, you know, kind of a reprieve here with, with some of the social distancing measures being reduced. Um, but we still have to do the right things right. So, yeah, you know, do you need to walk, wipe down your groceries? Uh, you know, I think you still want to be cautious. But to be fair, the more important thing is that after handling things, you know, wash your hands, don't touch your face. The, those are still the, the two critical points. And keep following for, for updates on information as, uh, you know, as they get posted from uh, from your public health officials.
0: Yesterday, we got a big update here in Ontario. Uh, phase two of reopening will happen on Friday. And uh, I just I, we're now talking about reopening patios, hair salons, malls, not necessarily in the GTA because we're not there yet with numbers, but everywhere else in the province. Um We've ramped up our testing to about nineteen thousand a day on average. Is that testing volume large enough when it comes to reopening patios, things like tattoo parlors, malls?
1: Yeah, it's so it's so such a great question, right? I mean, what, what's that absolute number of testing that needs to be done to be able to say yes, you can keep opening things up? And I think ultimately, that, you know, there's there's from my perspective, you know, as a humble virologist and not an epidemiologist, um, I don't think that there's a specific number of tests. That that need to be ramped up. It's ultimately it's the trend in in the positives that are coming out of that data, right? So if you increase by twenty five percent, but all you know every test out that twenty five percent suddenly you know was glaringly positive, then you know that you've got an issue. And we've we've ramped up, you know, we've opened up um, you know social distancing uh, measures here in, in Manitoba for for a bit now. Um, we haven't seen spikes in cases so far. We're only kind of a few weeks into this. Um, but the likelihood is right now is the period when people are still being ultra cautious when they're out. And that's what we've seen in, in public, uh, even when we were, you know, out this, this weekend um, to me, it's going to be the question of what happens four, or six weeks from now or eight weeks from now, when people start to kind of get in that fatigue zone of saying, okay, enough, I want to get back to normal. Uh, and we, and we let down our guard. So I, I think we just have to watch what the trends are, are saying and, and how that impacts um, our healthcare networks.
0: Yeah, I guess the fear, though, is people are going to turn off People yeah. at some point. They're going to go, you know, what? I don't care about the numbers right now. Like, I actually am not paying attention like I used to. You know, at, at the very beginning of this pandemic, we would carry all the press conferences and people I know were glued to the radio. And then at some point it's like, oh, my gosh, are you kidding me? And I think people just are desperate for their lives back. And I don't blame them because I'm one of them. But I just want to be careful here because I don't want to go backwards.
1: Yeah, no, we're 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 all in that, right? And I mean, it you know it's it's as difficult for for us as it is for for anybody else. I mean, and here specifically in our household, it's you know we're we're kind of again we're seeing that everything's kind of going kind of back to normal. Um, and you just you you kind of have that in the back of your mind of saying, well, if we just go this extra little push, you know, things can be back to what they were. Um, we're we're, we're not in that period yet, and we have to think about the fact that again, it's you know we we don't want to take one step forward to take you know a dozen steps back. Uh, and be back in the same position that we were in uh, in March and in April. So uh, I think for us, you know, we, we just need to do what we can. From, from my standpoint of trying to do public messaging uh, and, and still get it out to people that listen, do do the basic hygiene things right. We know that those things work. Social distancing works. Please just just keep those things in mind uh, when when you're you know kind of going out and trying to enjoy some of uh, some of this reprieve.
0: Thank you so much, Doctor Hinderichuk. Always a pleasure talking to you.